This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7, a ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Hey, we're on the block. And you're on the block. And we thank you for joining us right here every night. Well, evening, night, whatever it is, it depends on what time of the year you're in. If it's spring, summer, it's still kind of sunlight out. But when you get to the winter and fall, it might, might be night for you. So we thank you for joining us 4 to 6 Central every every uh, every night right here on the block on 93.7, the, the ticket, the ticketfm.com. We welcome you on the block. And, and listen, Bach, my partner, Jake Bachovic, thank you for joining us. Uh, you like Ortega and you like Pepper. Absolutely. Every, every, almost every day. That's like half of my uh, meal basically is just dump a bunch of Ortega on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bach, I, hey, listen, man, I, I appreciate um, the time that we've been able to spend and, and uh, hopefully in some time in, in the, in the future, we'll be able to spend more time in studio. Had a great time. We thank you for our sponsor, the, uh, the Mercado. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Certified by Piedmontese. We thank you for them because we had a great time there on site. We would love to join you. Um, definitely love to get back to Nebraska and spend some time on site. So if uh, you guys ever want us to come to your location uh, location near you, holler at us here at the Ticket FM. We'd love to do that for you as well. So, Bach, we're in the second hour on the block. And tell us, man, uh, did you have the opportunity to look at a USFL game this weekend? I actually didn't watch too much of the USFL. I was really buried into the playoffs. I had some personal stuff kind of going on um, as uh, car troubles always kind of get in the way of things that you're planning on doing as well. But those are aside now. Um, uh, so mostly, you know, with Easter and, and all that stuff, I, I didn't have too much of a look at the USFL playoffs. I was telling our USFL opener, I should say, I, I was telling uh, um, uh, Nate uh, of the, the water cooler and our producer here, I actually watched some Georgia spring football as well. Instead, <laughs> I, I, I'm a college football guy. I'm really, into, you know, a lot of people won't watch, you know, too much of that. But um, honestly, I'm that's what that's kind of what had my attention more so than anything. And I think that that's um, going to be part of the struggle for the USFL is to go against the traditional NBA playoff fans or, um, you know, obviously Major League Baseball regular season underway is to get that group of people. But of course, football is the king in the United States. So uh, if they get something rolling, I, I, I might be interested. I I just I, I can't say that it grabbed my attention this weekend. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, for according to the uh, the TV ratings and uh, at uh, the TV ratings guide dot com, the USL for USFL's first game on Saturday night, you know, it had about two point nine five million viewers. I think that was that's pretty solid. The Generals, the New Jersey Generals, uh, which is coached by Mike Riley, um, and and they played against the Birmingham Stallions. Uh, they were on NBC and Fox, and they had 1.5 million, and and then uh, on NBC, and then on Fox, 1.43 million. I think that's a pretty good start for them. I mean, I think the problem that's going to be for them 
is going to be the maintainment, right? People are kind of checking in to kind of see how people, you know, how, well, what's going to be the difference or what are some of the unique things that are, are going on with the USFL. And I think for me, I thought that was pretty cool was the, uh, um, the, the uh, drone cam. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it was like the drone cam was just all in the huddle and they have you mic'd up. So you might oh, yeah. get a little, you know, you, you know, it might not be for kids. <laughs> Sometimes you might hear a little something that, that gets said a little bit extra. But, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Having that drone cam kind of follow you around and, and, and get into the, uh, you know, the insides of the game a little bit. Uh, ran it was like following a runner that was running down the sideline at one point. I thought that was pretty dope. But, you know, I think what was really intriguing for me, Bach, was that just how intense the games were. I mean, there were guys really getting after it. I mean, they, it wasn't just, you know, it didn't look like just your basic, um, you know, football. Like, they were really, like, intense. Like, they were getting after it. And, you know, you saw Bando. You remember Bando? Husker, oh, yeah. One of yeah. Husker favorite linebackers had 17 tackles in his first game out. I thought that was phenomenal, you know, to be able to see and track some of those guys that are getting an opportunity to kind of keep their careers going. Uh, so in the first night, you had, you know, the Birmingham uh, Stallions beat the New Jersey Generals in like the last plays of the game. Uh, 28 to 24, the Houston Gamblers uh, pull out against Michigan Panthers, 17 to 12. I mean, that's these are all tight games. New Orleans Breakers, 23, Philadelphia Stars, 17. Uh, and then tonight, you'll have Tampa Bay Bandits and the Pittsburgh Maulers going at it, but uh, that'll be on Fox Sports uh, uh, 1. But I think one of the problems that they also have is that they really didn't do a good job in, I think, location placement. I mean, we talked about that before is location placement in any business is important, right? But mm -hmm. when you're competing uh, in New Orleans against the Saints, let's be real. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not going to get the same turnout. So I think if you would have put it somewhere else, um, you know, if you wanted it to be in Louisiana, put it in Shreveport. You know what I'm saying? Or something like yeah. that. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to do Houston, you know, put it in San Antonio. You know what I'm saying? You, you mm -hmm. got to put it in a, you know, San Antonio only has basketball. You know, they don't really have anything else. You got to put it in these markets, put it in Omaha. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Put it in a market to where you might be able to get some spark out of it um, and get some backing by it. But I think when you're, when you're seeing these teams like put in Philadelphia, I mean, I think they may be trying to put them in the suburbs or somewhere All like right. that to try to get, get some spark. I think that's what makes it a little bit tough for people to get behind it because people love their Eagles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think they're going to get much following on that. Well, that and you know, it's just it, I think a big problem that they're going to have too is just the the, the lack of star power. Um, like we've, we've said, we've mentioned this other like fan driven league uh, has Johnny Manziel throwing to fifty five year old Terrell Owens. Um, sounds a bit silly, but I mean, I think that that's what you need out of this. Is just you know they, they've kind of got uh, you know I like to see stories like Josh Banderas out there uh, and recognize some of the names that are that are quarterbacking some of these teams from you know years ago of college teams past. But I just think you need a little bit more star power uh, to get me going because I mean if you if you um, even all these years later if you would have said okay opening night Johnny Manziel makes his return to the football field and Terrell Owens is out there that's much that's almost must watch TV right I mean I, I would definitely tune in for that um, but even as a Nebraska fan with Mike Riley as part of the opener 
I'm, you know, I, I just don't, I don't trust it. And then the other thing is these, these, you know, the USFL has the backing of NBC and Fox and that should go a long way. And it's off to a good start. Um, I just, it, it's hard to trust any of these leagues when they kind of pop up and fold and they're all playing in Birmingham and it just doesn't feel um, like this one's going to take off. But again, um, the early numbers are good. And I think that over the years, if this does indeed last years, um, they'll start to understand the, the importance of star power and, and, and what the, you know, the guys that are just kind of still have a lot of um, hype or, or interest to their name that aren't quite NFL type players. Um, I think those, those need to be the names that you have in there to, to get a little bit more interest. Cause I just, it, it's, it's, it's tough to get behind. Like, what is, what does it mean to be a USFL all-star at the end of the day is that is are any of them going to get a look at training camp in the nfl i think that's the hope but i don't know if that's if that's going to happen well i think too one of the one of the things that they did early on is they first of all they didn't have the backing that they have now right um you know it was very individual owner driven and so the individual owners if you had the deep pocket you go out there and get you a herschel walker you go out there and get you a duck flutie you know, you, you would be able to do those types of things. Right. Um, but I think with the backing of, of the, you know, the Foxes and the, you know, CBSs and, and, and the likes of those, I think that will enable them to have some money to maybe throw out there at some, some, you know, fresh guys coming out that are maybe looking to, to do something and you can maybe spark something because you need to be able to create right now, the NFL, I mean, the, the college football game, is is a place for them to go you know i would like to see the nfl because some of these kids some of them are ready some of them aren't you know what i mean if you want to leave a little bit early you want to go make a little bit money okay give them the option to leave if they want to leave a little bit early and let them train up let them train up there in that type of league right instead of so so if you partnership with the nfl for example right Mm -hmm. right now my nephew k johnson is there you know with seattle let those those guys that are on the practice squads, you know, part of their contract, let them go out there and play, let them get some seasoning, let them get some, some cracking, let them get, because, you know, playing on the practice squad, it, it does you good, but it does, you no good. Right. All right. So, so I think if you can figure out a way to kind of partner that up, then you can still get some star power there. You can still get some, yeah. some of those guys on practice squads. That's a good idea. They're about ready. They're about ready to pop in and, you know, waiting on an injury, waiting on a situation. They pop in. Right. So I think if they can figure something like that out, it may work. But I think at the end of the day, the backing, and if they can start to, to draw some ire from some of those guys, throw them some, some, some big bones, but the money's so good right now in the NFL. I mean, you know, some of those signing bonuses are sick. So yeah. I just don't know if the USFL can compete with that at the end of the day. But maybe a merger. You will see how the XFL goes and go from there. Now, I got to ask you this question. And we'll move on. USFL, it's started. We're going to move on. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Tell me something. Six and six gets it done for Frost. I don't. I'm not sure of it. I, I think it, it depends on how it looks. I, I've seen, uh, you know, that that kind of idea out there. I think Sam McEwen was answering a question from uh, somebody in, in one of his mailbox mailbag, of course, on the Omaha World Herald, uh, and he mm. thought that that's, you know, they get to a bowl game. That's, that's a, a number. That's a big jump. Yeah, to get to six again. I don't think that there should be a line in the stand as far as what the number is, um, because you could have a six and six team that. Uh, regressed from last year and that's not really what you're looking for at the same time you could have a a, a team that 
I hate to say it, but goes five and seven, but shows promise late with your whole new staff that you put together. And it does set up that way. I mean, you could have some frustrating early season losses mount, but it, but the, you know, the final part of that uh, regular season gets pretty tough. So, I mean, if you get an upset two or two down the stretch, it feels like you'd be back at square one because that's what happened in the first year under Frost. Um, but I don't necessarily know if that's the cutoff line either. So I think a lot of it's how it looks. Uh, a lot of people would probably disagree with me and, and say by year five you need to make a bowl. Um, but it's I think it, it, it just depends on how what you, the way that you look at this going into this. Is this a last chance? You've got to make it to whatever certain amount of wins or whatever, or we're throwing the whole thing away. Uh, is that why they made all the assistant coaching moves, um, which we've seen in the past? I mean, that certainly is a is a strategy that athletic departments have taken. Um, and you cannot kind of even think to Frank Solage's final year, where after going seven and seven, they go ten and three. Bo Pelini has one of the best defenses in the nation, and they just scrap it and they say, you know, that that still isn't on par with what we want at Nebraska. Obviously, Nebraska hasn't gone ten and three since. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, so is that kind of the way they're looking at it, or are they going to give this a legitimate? shot with some of the new talent that they have on on, on offense um say the team's struggling and then picks up a few victories late against uh, you know or you know gets past that line finally beats wisconsin or iowa <laughs> maybe both of them still doesn't have a great record is that going to do it for you so um i don't know i, I don't I, I that's where i am i don't think that i um i think that nebraska football fans are, are a smart crowd they can understand good football and they can understand bad football and of course we've we've had too much uh to see of that lately but I just think a lot of it depends a lot more on the eye test than it does the final win mark. Now, if you're talking about four wins, again, I think there is a certain cutoff where you just got to say, okay, this isn't it. This, you know, you, you might have had some promise here and there, but I mean, anybody at four and eight should have a little bit of promise somewhere, right? Um, so I think that that's probably the ultimate cutoff that I would go with. Um, but as far as a win total, it, you know, I, I think with this schedule. You might be able to win seven and, again, be look worse than you did last year. So is it about bottom line? Is it about improvement? What are, what are they looking for mostly over there in travel with Trevor Alberts in the athletic department? So let's run it down. Northwestern, your first game, must win? Yes. I mean, that is almost – I mean, just because of what we saw with Illinois last year, you're traveling halfway across the world, a team that you beat – the only team that you beat in the Power Five last year. Uh, that's got to be a win. And if it's a loss, it's not necessarily you fire them on the spot. But, I mean, you're talking about pretty close to it. I mean, if you lose a few more games early on um, because your schedule is pretty weak, uh, you know, you could see another, you know, either midseason firing or writing on the wall type of situation. Again, what you had with um, what we had with Riley. Now, the, you know, the, the only thing that's different there is you're not going to fire the athletic director. Trev Alberts um, obviously didn't hire Frost, has only been trying to push it along. So he's not going to get fired. So you wouldn't have that kind of um, obvious signal. But uh, I think it would become rather obvious. I mean, Northwestern's a must win, uh, as silly as it is, more than, <laughs> more than any game we've seen recently. Maybe a other than that Illinois game last year. One one and oh. North Dakota. Yeah, you gotta take care of North Dakota, obviously. Two and oh. Uh Georgia Southern. Yeah. Yeah, gotta win that one. No, I think I think um there's they've Georgia Southern's capable. They've they've given people some scare every now and then. They just do something crazy. And uh so now you're three and oh. Oklahoma, is it a revenge game? You got them at home now. What's up? I mean, it'd be nice to win that one. You know, you've got a new coach. They're down, a lot of people right? left. What, 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 what's up? 
I don't necessarily expect Nebraska to win that game. I'm sorry. That would be just okay. because they haven't won them uh, in, a, in quite a bit of time to win a game like that. Brent Venables is, is a coach I've been waiting to see, coach for years. Um, and uh, the Sooners, I, I, you know, like you said, they did lose a lot, but they also did a, a pretty good job in the portal as well. So uh, right. I don't think that's a win. Three and one. Indiana. Indiana should be a win coming off last year, um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, yeah, I'd, I'd count it as a victory. Okay, four and one. Rutgers away. Yeah, at Piscataway. <laughs> uh, maybe the least daunting uh, road uh, to go down. Uh, maybe, but I again, these are the type of games that you have to win if you want to keep you know keep you momentum keep going. Job, right? right? Yeah. All right, we're going. We're going to say we're going to say out of those two road games, they maybe lose one. So yeah. we're looking at four and two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we we'll just say they lose Indiana. They lose Purdue on the road just because Purdue's had their number. Yeah. Illinois revenge back in Lincoln. Yeah, again another one that you've got to win. But uh, Brett Bielema's had a cup of coffee in the league, and he's already got a victory over you. And I think that that program looks like it's heading in the right direction. Right direction. That's the mm-hmm. type of grinded out game that Nebraska could. I mean, that could be a game. That's one to circle. As like, okay, if things are struggling, and then they lose that one, that could be the one that kind of lets one. you know what's happening. So either this, I think that's a turning point game. I think I think I think it it either sends you into the six seven win category, or it puts you in the you or you may be in trouble. Yeah, you know I think it, that that's that point game right there because you don't you know if you do lose at Purdue you don't want to lose back to back especially coming home against Illinois right you got two games at home you start in your first you you go on the road okay boom you hit that one Northwestern. They're not very great. They're not. They're not that great. But you got to get that. When then you come three games at home. I think if you put yourself in a great position, if you can pull out the Oklahoma win, you put yourself oh, yeah. in a tremendous position. But if you do lose that one, you cannot lose back to back. If you lose the Rutgers, I mean, if you lose the Purdue game, you just cannot lose the Illinois game, or it sets you sets up the stage for you to 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 really start falling down the. Yeah, that puts you in that motion. So then you come back with Minnesota, grind it out. That's one of them. Yeah. Who's going to be the most physical uh, bunch on the field? That's the way I look at that Minnesota game. Yeah, well, and again, this is this begins the stretch where I just can't pick Frost against somebody that's not he hasn't beat lately. PJ Flex won the last three. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I give Minnesota the advantage. Now they lost all their offensive linemen, the, the biggest offensive line in college football last year. So they got some work to do there. I don't think they'll be as good. They got a good stable of running backs coming back, but, um, you know, they're, they're almost hitting that Wisconsin, Iowa territory where it's like, I think PJ Fleck can outcoach frost. Cause I've seen it enough times. Michigan coming off the championship game. Yeah. I can't, can't predict Nebraska to win that one right now. Especially in Ann Arbor. Okay, Wisconsin, yeah. what's up? It's Quarterback, been... not very good, <laughs> yeah. but you're at home. Braylon Allen uh, is very good. And, uh, again, they haven't beaten Wisconsin since 2012. I'm going with Nebraska. I'm not going with Nebraska there. Iowa, well, you dropped the ball at home, had it in the bag, but you, now you got to go to Iowa City. Yep, 2000, <laughs> since 2014, they haven't beaten Iowa. Same, same so thing with, uh, with Wisconsin. I think that's – I can't predict Nebraska there. There's your record right there. Yeah. Um, so that's if you do not, if you do not drop the ball the way that you could, then you fall in line with where your record should be. But think about but you hate to be going out your last four games, possibly last three games with L's right. going into a bowl game. But that's that's that's, that's the deal, though, too. I mean, you can really 
um, put some momentum behind whatever you've done. Say you, you do fall to Illinois or whatever. You lose a game you're not supposed to. You have a chance to make it up there at the end and make it up in a big way to get momentum going because you haven't beaten those teams in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And obviously Michigan so it, speaks for itself. It's, that's why I think it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be interesting to watch. I think those early games are going to set the tone for my eyes, for my eye test to tell me a little something, how they do um, at home against Oklahoma in that rivalry that has been longstanding for so long, how they recover from dropping the ball on that one on the road, and then how they follow it up. Win or lose at Oklahoma, the follow-up game at home against Indiana those those games and then those two road games that follow that are going to tell me a lot as to how how things could possibly go unless they just have a dramatic change. So those are some things to watch, Bach, but I'll let you finish before we go and take this good break. Oh, I just thought it was funny. Thunder on the text line says, I know it's been a long time since we've been good, but this might be the most depressing conversation I can recall in recent years about Nebraska football history. It is what it is. You know, I, I don't know. What I, I could come out here and tell you, uh, you know, we can fart the fight song, as our, our Gaskins and Stevens used to say. But unfortunately, I just I'm not sure that this is the off season to hype you up. I think this is the off season to be quite real, real about it is that it's, it it's going to be tough to get to 500. I know the schedule is easier, but they haven't done it in years. Um, again, they lost a lot of that, a lot of that draft class. I'm excited. I mean, I, I think it's, it's weird and I don't want to be stuck in this, this place of hoping for mediocrity and trying to get to 500. Right. But it's the reality of the situation. It's, it's where you're at and it's the next step for the program. And maybe they can do it all at once. Maybe, you know, maybe they do go nine and three this year. Somebody points off the text line. He thinks Adrian was a big part of losing all those games. So maybe they flip it. Maybe you go nine and three this year. And then next season's conversation is about winning the West and improving the 10 wins and being back and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's just been too long. And again, I, I mean, I like Wisconsin and Iowa, I don't think that just individually those games are automatic losses or those are like, you know, beasts to compete mm-hmm. with. You know, I, I think, you know, they've played them close. A lot of these games, it's just the track record is so long and in, in, in Scott Frost record against the big 10 West co- other coaches there is so poor that I, 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 I you know, I, I, I want to be intellectually honest and, and not just, trying to hype you up and, and you throw so something up your blow some smoke, right. uh, some peyote up. Yeah. Now there's some time for that too. You know, when the summer comes around and <laughs> it's, it gets exciting and I buy in with the Kool-Aid with everybody else, but I just think it's a, it's a long off season to, to be hyping that sort of sort of thing up. And I think that if we're all honest about it, uh, about it, this year's goal is to make a bowl game. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's the starting point. That's the launching point um, to where Nebraska can go from there. Obviously, we we did tap into this segment. Thank you guys for tapping on us, uh, the text line and giving us your points of view. We appreciate that. We got to take a break right now. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about hitting the hardwood. We got NBA playoffs to discuss. Some things happen. We'll talk about that. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> 